Hello and welcome to this episode of the Musician's Journey podcast. We are listening to an excerpt from Code Clavier's aquatic project where today's guest is making algae plants appear on your cat's head by coding through her piano playing. More about this later in the episode. Now I'm just going to say that the music featured today is performed by Anne Weinberg on the piano, the Carrillo piano and toy piano. And Felipe Noriega is the man with the laptop and playing the Fokker organ by coding. And in addition to the improvised music, there is also a piece by Vanessa Lam called Is a Bell a Bell, which you'll recognize by the toy piano. I'd also like to say that Felipe takes part in episode 20 of this podcast as Panda B in Panda Suicide. And in episode 21, Anthony Dunstan talks about his collaboration with Anne on the piece he wrote for her called As I Hear It. And that's it for this introduction. I'll let Anne introduce herself. Uh, I'm Anne Weinberg. I'm a pianist, uh, originally Russian, grew up in Australia, and I've been living in the Netherlands for 13 years. So I'm also kind of Dutch now. Well, actually, I'm Dutch now. And I'm a pianist in kind of a broad sense of the word. I love to play piano, obviously. I'm not scared of a bit of inside piano or prepared piano. I also love to play toy piano. I'm interested in digital uh, keyboard instruments and microtonal keyboard instruments, such as the 96-tone Carillo piano or the 31-tone Fokker organ. Well, actually, I quite enjoy playing the organ if I get the opportunity to do so. Also, a normal organ. And, yeah, in terms of digital instruments, I'm just starting a project with touch keys, which are special sensors which go on a keyboard, so that kind of uh, expands the range of what um, the piano keyboard controller can do. You have a lot more control with that synthesized sound uh, after you've played it, so you can really do vibrato like a string player would, or you can make swells, or however you map it, obviously. So I'm really, I'm just about to start that project, so I'm looking forward to kind of exploring this hyper keyboard instrument, and I'm also really excited to explore where you can go with a keyboard controller that's like giving you extra dimensions that you otherwise would not have on an acoustic instrument. How far back does your musical journey go? I think I started piano lessons when I was four and a half. And when we moved to Australia, I had a bit of a, a break. But yeah, my mom helped a lot with practice supervision when I was younger. Um, until about I was 11 or something. And then my baby sister was born. So uh then it was kind of up to me. But, yeah, I went to a, a high school that was attached to the Sydney Conservatorium, so I was taking it pretty seriously from a pretty early age. And during your studies, did you feel guided by a particular direction already? Um, I was really obsessed with Bach, like really obsessed. And I think in my during my bachelor's I played like the complete well-tempered the clavier, the first book, and a good chunk of the second. And then when I came to the Netherlands, I don't want to say my love of Bach disappeared, but I just, I really, my eyes were really open to 
contemporary music and electronic music and just new sound worlds and approaches to music making. But so I, I did play some contemporary music before, but when I came here, it really flipped and I, I really saw how that was something that I could contribute to in a more unique way. And I just got really excited by, yeah, the, the new world. I, I love working with composers and music that um, is very directly relevant to the society that we live in. I also got a little bit tired, I think, of, but I mean, Bach on the piano is, I love it. I, I love playing fugues. I think that was a, uh, kind of what I really loved, but there's so much surrounding it. And anyway, it's a super weird thing, right? Because Bach never wrote for the modern piano, obviously, because of the time. And so we have like really weird ideas what is stylistically appropriate for Bach on the piano, which is complete nonsense, really. It just doesn't exist. So it's just like weird conversations that I really just got tired of and didn't want to partake in. My focus or love, let's say center of musical attention really shifted from Bach to contemporary music once I moved to the Netherlands. Yeah. For me, the classical music path has been this comfortable place with learning repertoire and practicing technique. And has this been the case for you or did you just feel restless and confined in it? No, I, for sure there's something about classical repertoire which is very nice for the hands and for the technique. And I also feel that, particularly with the piano, like the great romantics, they really write for the instrument in such a full way that I also really enjoy that. So I love to play romantic music for myself too, for the practice and just to uh, really have good connection with my hands. But modern music or music written in recent times, uh, I feel that I can more uniquely contribute to and I feel like it speaks to me in a really direct way that I can then convey to the audience that perhaps not everyone can. Uh, it's It's been modern music. So since the beginning of this year, I've taken a closer look at what my musician friends have been producing. Mm -hmm. And I detect this urge in myself to like understand what's going on. Meaning <laughs> that the most comfortable newsfeed posts have to do with performances or repertoire or something else that I can immediately relate to. But when you post something, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I feel like I missed the latest train to somewhere in contemporary music land, um, and uh, I'll I'll read from your website just a little bit. Um, Code Claviers okay. are aquatic live is an audio and augmented reality experience where the live music provides the DNA of the underwater world unfolding before your eyes, full of speculative fantasy structures artificially built from L-system rules, Aquatic Live superimposes unusual aquatic-inspired objects in everyday environments. Whether you attend a live performance or tune in at home for a streamed experience, the juxtaposition from the surroundings with the AR objects will 
Stimulate one's imagination by highlighting the contrasting beauty of the natural and the unnatural world. And by the way, that's beautifully written. Did you write that? Yeah, we wrote it together um, with Patrick Borgia, who developed the visuals for Aquatic. Hmm. Thank you for saying it's beautifully written because I still don't quite understand what's going on with it. And it's just very difficult to explain. So you're not the first to say that you read it, but you really don't understand what's going on. So in short, it's just like a music piece. Mm. And then um, there are these AR creatures that um, you see come to life on your phone. And you see them like um, I actually create those creatures with things that I'm coding in my piano playing. So apart from just making pretty music, uh, I kind of embed these little codes in what I'm playing, which give the structure to these weird, weird but like beautifully weird um, kind of seaweed-type creatures that you see on your phone. And altogether it creates this kind of like you kind of get immersed in this otherworldly um, place where you have these primarily green objects growing and shrinking and interacting with each other. Whilst you listen to this music that Felipe and I play, where I'm playing the piano and coding the creatures and he's uh, doing live uh, live coding, live electronics. And uh, the audience downloads an app, right? The audience downloads an app, yeah. Yeah. Is this something that is ubiquitous in the Amsterdam scene right now or are you a bit special when you do this? I would like to think we're very special when we do this. <laughs> um, anything actually with piano and AR or even music and AR in such, an, uh, in such a way, you know, because it's not also, it's also not just like music and then some visuals. Uh, on top of that as complementary to it. It's really, the music is really creating the visuals. I'm playing the piano, but I'm also what we call piano coding. So embedded in my piano playing, like I'm coding in whichever form. So I'm really creating these visuals live, then they're also really responding to my piano playing. So it's a really connected experience. And I, I think that's really unique. I wish more people would see how unique it is. <laughs> mm. um, AR, people primarily know from, like, Pokemon Go, I think. Okay. Right? So you have to catch all the creatures. Yeah. And that was super popular. Uh, but to really have it in this artistic way, it just, yeah, it really adds, like, an extra dimension. And um, we also did a live stream uh, primarily for people in in the Australian lockdowns. Mm. And what's so special about AR, of course, is that because you're viewing the visuals on your phone, suddenly your living room transforms into a stage for these AR creatures. And it will always be quite a personal experience because you're experiencing the visuals through your phone. And then it interacts with your surroundings and you can put it next to a green plant and then really see how like these creatures that I create or plants look very different to a plant. And L systems, um, L system stands for Lindemeyer systems. And Lindemeyer was actually 
a scientist, a botanist, and he developed these um, L-system models as a way to model plant life. So we create plants from these L-systems, which of course end up looking completely different to how a real plant would look. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. And when you play, do you then know what kind of visual you create or is that something uh, you don't know until you actually look at it? Um, I absolutely have to look at it. So I, when I play, I have two things in front of me. I have my um, coding interface, which is um, basically how I'm creating these L-system rules. And that's really important because that's the functional side of it. And then next to that, I also have my iPad to actually see the AR visuals. Um, and I have them connected with uh, to the same internet um, that everyone else is connected. So I'm also trying to react because there's some delay. Well, it's not really delay, but there's kind of this... Uh, normally when you code, you, you make something of code and then it happens. But with the aquatic, then... I make the rule and then that plant still needs to grow. So I have to kind of play after and adjust to this new growth that comes out. It's quite challenging for the brain. Anyway, it, all code clavier is quite challenging for the brain because you're thinking about what musical narrative you want to create and you really want to make nice music because that's what people hear. And You're also thinking about what you're piano coding, so what you're coding. And then with the aquatic, then you still have this extra thing. So it's like three things to be thinking about in parallel. And that can be quite a challenge, but also a really wonderful challenge because it also, it eventually you start combining or streaming the thought process. But it's unique, it's different to conventional piano playing. AR stands for Augmented Reality, and it's um, basically you, you generally look at it through a phone or you can have special glasses for it, and that's when you see an object or multiple objects, but the backdrop is still your normal environment. So the most common AR is, or like when it really became popularized with Pokemon Go. Mm. Uh, where people were trying to catch these Pokemon around their local areas. Yeah. 
Um, and I think like some banking apps still use AR now. So it's, it's basically anything that augments your actual reality. So if you can uh, hold your phone or, or like, um, this app on Facebook or, or your phone, Snapchat, where you adjust like a, you make your face a robot or a tiger or whatever, and taking the reality in which you're in, which in which case your face, and then you're manipulating it or putting something on top, you're augmenting it. Mm. So in the context of aquatic, then you listen to the music and then you look with the app through your phone and uh, in front of you, these creatures will grow, but the, you will still see through your phone, the living room will still be there. And you might have a plant growing in front of the TV. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's a really nice way to experience uh, visuals because it's very personal. And especially through COVID where you cannot really get close to anything. This is really in your own personal bubble. Mm. And it works also really well in a live stream because then you have the music just streamed through the laptop. But for your actual visual experience while well, you have it on your phone which is not so different um because you're still experiencing in a very personal way so it's it's actually very covid proof although we started the project uh, long before covid um but i really like how personal the experience is for the viewers and also uh you're interacting with the visuals always as a viewer because you can zoom in, you can zoom out, and you can walk around them. So they will stay put in wherever you've placed them. So you can explore them from different angles, from up and from down, yeah, walking around them. And then, of course, you can put them in a different location. You can put them next to a plant or next to a tree to see how they interact with that. Or you can put them on someone else's head. You can really uh, put them any way you like. So they'll always interact with the setting and that's also really unique and it'll make each performance unique anyway the visuals are different each time but the way that you personally interact with the visuals will be unique to you so I think it's a really beautiful concept and yeah. personally yeah <laughs> and uh actually the, the creatures in this um well the algae plants in in a, in a loose sense of the word so they're not overtly complex in themselves but of course each one is slightly different and that is based on the L system that I've rules that I've given it and the trees that's that have come out and it's green so it's very peaceful yeah <laughs> will there be more live streams there will be more live streams um for sure I think we're hoping in December and I think at the moment, is now is not really a good live stream moment. People are just finally starting to enjoy real life events and yeah. life. Um, but I think once winter gets in and no one's really keen to go anywhere, we'll do some more live streams. Yeah. And we have some live concerts coming up uh, also in September. So that would be nice. Yes. Are you experiencing that there is a market for live coded improvised piano music? Oh. No, not really. Uh, for there to be a market, there needs to be a genre. Huh. With aquatic, I have to say that um, 
it's not often I say this, but I really feel that the project comes together on very many levels. And it's technically very complex and everything that's going on under the hood is quite complex and deep. But it's also just a really easygoing experience. With Aquatic, I feel like it's really broad, uh, the audience that it can reach and should reach. With other Code Clavier stuff... It's a bit more nerdy and it's a bit more really sitting in that live coded uh, genre, which is a little less refined and that's part of live coding. You do need to have some level of nerd maybe to really get into it. Although I've also heard that people say that they find Code Clavier performances much easier to understand than like uh, live coded performances because they can make those like oral connections between what I'm coding and what they're hearing and just like that ongoing musical narrative just gives it an easier flow that they might not get in another uh, live coded performance but I don't know if that's really true I think it depends always on the artist but it's difficult to find an audience because People that are interested in piano playing generally don't know what live coding is. Mm. <laughs> and people that are interested in live coding in an artistic sense do know what piano playing is most of the time, but it might not be the right setting or live coding has shifted a lot towards uh, what they call algorithms, so a lot of dance music, which is, again, something different. So it's it's looking for, a, for an audience always. Mm. Um there is definitely audience out there, but I don't have hundreds and hundreds of concerts for the Code Clavier, so I guess it's I'm still looking for the right audience. Mm. And you and Felipe have also written some uh, papers or articles on how how it works, what you're doing. Yeah, we've written a couple of papers, and we recently finished a book chapter uh, that will come out. I think in 2022. So, yeah, you can uh, check our website for... I think we have links to the papers from there and then once the book chapter comes out, there will also be linked there. Be prepared for a hardcore read. <laughs> <laughs> it's for those who feel an urge to understand more what's going on in your music making. Yeah, I mean, I think we also have quite a nice uh, little video on the website just describing the Code Clavier project on a whole. But yeah, in short, the Code Clavier is, is just a system. Well, it's not just, it's a system uh, where you can code by playing the piano. And it has a whole bunch of different incarnations and that can mean different things in different performances or different pieces. Um, no Code Clavier work is ever written down from bar one to bar 1000. That's simply not how it works. We kind of have ideas about what we're going to code and then I'll have a couple that with motives that I will play or yeah, a musical goal for the performance and that will be the piece as opposed to yeah, a traditional piece of music.
and you have several duos and uh, ensembles as well as your teaching practice. How do you stay on top of things and plan your days? Well, that's a, that's a really good question. I mean, to be fair, I haven't really taught now from COVID. So I will just start teaching again now in September. I, I never did any online teaching. And yeah, performances have also been slow these last COVID one and a half years. Mm. So I, I don't really have an answer to that because you just find a way when you can. And otherwise, yeah, not everything is going at full time. I'm really looking forward to actually playing again more and teaching again properly because through the pandemic, it's just been very, very still. I think at the beginning of the year, I was trying to do these um, Friday non-live streams and posting them on Facebook, and then things picked up a little bit, and I stopped doing that. Um, and then I was playing, like, conventional piano music. But, yeah, I mean, it's been COVID. I, 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 I don't know. Uh, I guess you just go. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you make your living during this time? Um, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying, trying to think. Did I make a living? I made very little money this, uh, for sure. Um, this year, 2021, was particularly poor. And um, I've been very lucky that my husband has been providing for the family. Because having a young kid, I also was just lucky that I managed to spend more time with him. Mm. And that was okay. I think if I didn't have that, then then I would have maybe done something else. But I didn't really have a lot of choice. Like, what could I have done? I mean, I suppose go work for the Chechede or something, for the one of the like Corona testing facilities. I don't know. Mm. Now I'm now I'm feeling guilty. But <laughs> um, no, but. It wasn't essential uh, for us as a family, and um, we thought that it was worth my time to spend extra time with our child. Yeah. Um, which, you know, kids are only little ones, so if you have that opportunity, then why not take it? And it wasn't essential for our family situation. Do you have uh, any thoughts on... How parenthood has changed your uh, musician life? Maybe it's hard to say now since it's been a special recent time, but... Yes. We, I, I, last October, I had a very busy month and my little one was 11 months old and it was the first time I was really busy and um, I remember feeling it was... You know, when you're a musician, you, you give everything to the art you walk out on stage and you're so focused and it's all about creating and sharing this art and this music with the audience that are there to hear it and it's all consuming and parenthood is also all consuming and I'd never had to switch like that before but I it's really like halfway through your hassle you have to go and pump and then like you stop and uh, uh, and then you get back and you're all absorbed and then like you come home and your child might be quite upset because they haven't seen you all day and then the night is like again crying and waking up multiple times and you're completely parent 
and you've forgotten everything you did that day and then and then the next day is concert and you're like suddenly oh all right here we go again and you completely leave your baby behind it was really exhausting on one hand but also really like I was impressed that I could switch mindsets um in such a clear way uh I wasn't I wasn't sure how that would go but yeah it was it's different but you also become more focused in a way because your time is you have less spare time so when you're there you're really there you're not you're never half there you kind of like if you're there you're there because your child needs you and then when you're back home then you also really park your work because you're like yeah there's a hundred other things to do so that's quite different but it's it's dividing yourself into really two people and then she hoped that there's after all that dividing there's something left for just like casual and like you know just one that hangs out and I think that's quite common for especially the first year or two of parenthood where you're really like you're so essential to your child that you just have to be 100% there when you're not there and you're working then you're super efficient because um, you want to give it absolutely everything but you also are aware of your time limitations Have you experienced that there is, uh, you know, you have less mind space for things that uh, can easily slow one down, you know, like some kind of self-image thing or uh, fear of doing this or that. Like now that you have so much on your hands, you just have to do things without overthinking. Yeah, absolutely. You just have to get on with it. There's less time to flop around. And I'm looking forward to, I lost that a little bit because then when the pandemic again like took over and everything closed, that's something I had already a lot more time on my hands than I did before because child was already going to daycare some days. I mean, I had some live streamed events throughout the period, which I was preparing for and I was doing some other code clear stuff. So there was some stuff to do, but it was, yeah, less of that like performance driven, hard focused. And then all the other stuff kind of creeps in like, oh yeah. And why, of course, why don't I have work? It's always a big one for all musicians. Um, And will we ever get out of this pandemic? And in the Netherlands, the pandemic has been pretty rough. There've been pretty high case numbers and, Now we're doing quite well in terms of vaccination, but we really took some time to get people vaccinated. And of course, I also haven't been home for three years. Like I haven't seen my family. I've seen my mum and dad, which has been fantastic. But my dad I haven't seen for over a year now. I find that quite tough because I'm really close to my family. So then all that sort of stuff indeed creeps up when you have that extra time suddenly because uh, work dropped out. Mm. Can you say something about how you deal with social media? Social media? Yeah. It's become such an interesting topic now that I'm I'm using it more this year than I have before. And it's really fascinating. And the way I relate to it keeps changing. Um. In a way, I think that this pandemic is 
so much easier because of social media. Mm. And I do use social media a lot to connect with people around the world that I'm friends with. I do use it a lot for trying to tell people about what's going on. But like, like I said, at one point in the lockdown, I was using it as a way to post me playing, which was just a way to kind of push myself to record something weekly and share that with my friends on Facebook. And I think um, I, I also have friends that share really personal stuff on it. And uh, for them, it's a, just an amazing way of staying connected and not feeling alone. So I know, I've noticed for myself that I, I cannot have the Facebook app on my phone. Somehow the app is so much more addictive than just checking it on your laptop or even on your mobile without the app because you don't want to be there scrolling for hours a day through people's mindless posts. I don't think that's that can get really unhealthy really quickly. But you can really hear about um, people that are struggling through the same things that you are or different things. You know, and sometimes I just reach out to someone and say, hey, how's it going? Or that I haven't spoken to for a while when I see them post something nice um, or something not nice. So I think at the moment I have a pretty good relationship with uh, Facebook, um, but sometimes it can slip into like overuse and just, oh, look at that person having a wonderful time over there or look at that person playing at a gazillion concerts everywhere. Mm. Jealousy can kick in. But I, I really think it's a very, it can be a very powerful and beautiful tool that can really help uh, one uh, feel connected and worthy yeah and do you use it consciously as a musician you have this uh, strategy behind it I have poor strategies so I try to share my events uh, on there and I try to share my point of view uh For a long time, I was reposting a whole bunch of things about how we're ruining our planet yeah. and um, the evils of meat consumption. Yeah. But I really noticed—I'm not joking—that like the algorithms have literally made my post so much less visible. And at one point, I tested it out by posting a cat video. And normally, on a cat video, you get like I don't know, 200 views, easy. And that was like 35. I was like, okay. oh, right. so that's life. Apparently, we don't want to hear about real things. <laughs> But maybe that's in my head. Maybe people just don't like me anymore. That's also possible. Um, I also had a period uh, on Facebook of being very, very serious about things and writing about the problems of the world. And then I just had to delete it at some point. And not have anything to do with it anymore. <laughs> yeah. And then when I uh, started thinking about making it as a cellist, I realized there was no way outside of using Facebook when I don't actually know anyone in this city. Like, I don't have a network. Yeah. So then I made this profile that I have now and I put cello in my name just to remind me that 
that's my focus now. Because uh, otherwise, I can just get lost in everything that's going on there, and I can very easily be really, what's that word? I like to comment on things and uh, say things that I think will upset people. Like Facebook can really also bring out the the worst in me in a way. And it, and for me, it was really good to have this focus so that when I log in, I actually log out and then I log in and I, I'm there as a cellist and trying to see how that works for me. And how is it working for you? Yeah, it's, uh, it's exciting for sure because, uh, well, I got one cello student actually who had searched Facebook for celloteachers.com and then I came up. So that was a success oh, wow. for me. <laughs> and I also use Facebook uh, like for my band. And that's, that can be a way of seeing what things are going on on that scene and a way to check out some venues I didn't know about or bands I didn't know about. Yeah. Facebook has become a bit of a directory. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, I often... Not often, but I've definitely had people ask me for work via Messenger on more than one occasion. Mm. And a fellow colleague of mine, a composer, he said he went off Facebook and he said, people stopped talking to me that I used to know. It's like I ceased to exist. And then I went back on Facebook and I started existing again. <laughs> right. Horrible because Facebook is a private organization but it's really true if you're if you're not there people can very easily overlook you and they they simply forget that you exist so for me it's clear that it's not about coming off facebook fight but finding like you say a healthy relationship with it that works for you as an individual and meets your needs but doesn't like take over your life so that you're completely obsessed with what facebook can do for you Mm. like about the likes and that sort of uh, stuff yeah I uh, tried recently to experiment with being super focused and to set a timer I would decide in advance okay for these 15 minutes I'm gonna be on Facebook as a cello teacher and then try to get the most of it during those minutes and then I will get off but it didn't really work because uh, because when when I see something it can be a post or a comment or an event or whatever it is uh, it just gets even messier if I then have to uh, postpone something for later when I decide to visit Facebook as my band for example instead yeah I mean, to a certain degree, I have to let Facebook dictate my activity there. But it's definitely possible to keep focus. So it's really exciting these days. I am uh, exploring this and really wanting to optimizing the time I spend there. But at the same time, not being too cold. I, I shouldn't go on and just think what's relevant for me right now you know I also, I also have to spend some time to look at oh so 
what are these people actually trying to convey? <laughs> so someone posts a performance or something, and then I try to actually go there and see what they've done and to try to understand what they want to share. And then I can see if I can comment in a way that feels natural to me. And I'm doing way less of just giving likes to things mm -hmm. because that just uh, becomes less and less meaningful to me when I receive some likes and a post I just yeah I don't even know what that means I really like to try and interact a little bit that sounds healthy yeah uh, I think it's a self uh, what's that preservation kind of thing because I feel how draining these things can potentially be. And I don't want to spend all my energy on these things. Understandable. And I also think timing the amount you spend is very good. I'm, what I really struggle with is like the, um, when you log onto Facebook to really try to promote an event, that can, I find that can really take crazy amounts of time and often not lead to much. Is that when you pay for promotion? Uh, sometimes I've paid for promotion, never really amounted to much. I assume I'm probably doing something wrong in the promotions of the Facebook promotions. They say, oh, you'll reach thousands and thousands of people. And I'm like, I reached 200 people. Like, that's, I don't really see how that's thousands and thousands. But um, <laughs> I guess it's just Facebook taking my money. I, no, I, I, I'm probably doing something wrong in the configuration, I suspect. I don't know. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know I took a bit of your time this afternoon. Would you like to say where we can find you and listen to your music and see your performances? Uh, yeah. Uh, so you can visit my website for concerts and performances. That's uh, anneweinberg.com. Very straightforward. And for Code Clavier specific stuff, it's codeclavier.space. Code Clavier is one word. If you specifically want aquatic, then after the dot space is slash aquatic. But of course, if you just go to my own website, I'll have all the links there as well. And Ragnar, thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk and catch up.
thanks for listening. I'll include a link or two in the show notes so that you can take part in a future performance with algae plants or listen to offs on SoundCloud. If you find anything interesting in this podcast, feel free to share it with someone you think could enjoy it too. And if you want to buy me a coffee, you can visit my page on coffee, ko-fi.com slash the musician's journey podcast. You can find my email address in the show notes as well and on my website, ringnilvesenberg.com. And you can also find this podcast on Instagram.